I didn't know why I had this drive. I knew that I was satisfied when people read. And I thought it was a drive to give people this escape because the world is hard and enjoyment. But then as I grew older and I go deeper into this creative and going and writing more, I realized this is whole other level for me, that this is really like this other layer to explore. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset Show. This is a podcast about the financial, money, and recreational mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset Show and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is author Jennifer Probst. She is a New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal bestselling author of sexy and erotic contemporary romance. Jennifer wrote her first book at 12 years old and has not stopped since. Her book, The Marriage Bargain, spent 26 weeks on the New York Times bestsellers list. Jennifer's work has been translated in over a dozen countries, sold over a million copies, and was dubbed a romance phenom by Kirkus Reviews. If that was not enough, she has penned Right Naked, a bestseller secret to write romance, a book to help other authors succeed. It has been described as an effortless read and tremendous help by other authors. I've had the opportunity of knowing Jennifer through my involvement with the romance author community, and I am excited to share our conversation with you. Hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I have the awesome pleasure today of being with Jennifer Probst, a New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal bestselling author. Thanks for joining us, Jennifer. Oh, Larry, thank you so much for having me. I was pretty psyched to be on your podcast today. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us today. I want to start out from the very beginning. Can you tell our listeners about your path to becoming a New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and USA Today bestselling author? Oh, yes. I love this story. You know, it's my story, but I just never get tired of it because it's one of those kind of underdog ones, which I love to hear about. I always found myself very lucky because I knew when I was seven years old that I was going to be a writer. I look back at some of my old diaries and besides like scribbling, oh, I have a crush on this TV star. (laughs) Oh, when I'm a best-selling author one day, which I think is really neat to go back because it was kind of in my genes. And then at 12 years old, I said, oh, okay, well, I'm going to be this writer. And so writers write. So I guess I'll write a book. And the first thing I started was this young adult romance where, of course, I was the heroine and it was like this boy I had a crush on. But in this book that I got to write, I got to get my happy ever after ending. I got to be the cool girl. It was really exciting. And then I just kept writing. And I think the biggest obstacle in my life was what a lot of creative artists have, which is how am I going to pay my bills and do this? (laughs) So I had this passion for it, but I ended up getting my business degree and a master's degree and being out in the office world and having multiple careers. But I always wrote. So it was about writing weekends, writing mornings, writing on lunch hours, like really taking that time to delve into my craft. I must have had a dozen books under the bed and it took me 30 years to finally get to 
to a point where I was able to sell my book to a publisher. And I'll never forget, it was Valentine's Day of 2012. And the book was coming out. I had written this book for two years. It was called The Marriage Bargain. And it had been rejected all over New York City by over 30 rejections I had in my folder. And this small-time publisher took a chance on it. And at the time, I was on the end of unemployment, if you believe that. I got laid off of my job, and I remember thinking and praying, something's got to break. I got to know, is this really going to happen? And what happened is three days after my book came out, I was number one on Barnes & Noble, and The Hunger Games was number two. So what my husband and I decided to do, of course, was any couple, we unplugged the computer, and we decided it was broken. (laughs) And then right away, we put it back on, and we're like, how is this happening? So the book went viral. So I always find it very interesting. Then after that, I became a full-time writer. And now I have like 45 books to my credit. But all of the scenes, all of the work behind the scenes is what's key. And when you find somebody that maybe breaks out either in film or TV or painting, what does everybody say? Oh, you know, she had it so good. She's an overnight success. And I just laugh at that because that overnight (laughs) success was 30 years of writing with pennies. So yeah, so that's the story. And I just find it inspiring because I tell my kids, if you really do work hard and you find a passion and you don't give up, I believe that you do get it. That is a fantastic point. I think there are so many good lessons and so many things embedded in that story. I think the first one immediately sticks out into my mind is the importance of writing goals down. I mean, you started writing these goals down at a very early age, and look, it actually happened. Yes. And I know there are plenty of studies out there. I believe the big one was from Harvard about how writing down goals, and I don't remember how much further exponentially you are to achieve those. I don't remember those exact numbers, but there's something to that. And in your case, it really happened. Yeah. And you think about all those books, like The Secret and people saying, and you know, I laugh because my son will say, I have to write down my notes. The teacher wants us to write it down. And so you learn that there's something in the brain, I think, I mean, like you, I don't know about the studies, but like writing it down does something. Maybe it makes it more real. Maybe Mm -hmm. it gives it like an energy. I'm not sure, but I've always just believed in that envisioning thing and writing your goals down and like once a year or twice a year or whatever, just kind of looking at, oh, okay, I got this done, or okay, I'm on step one, and there's you right. know, step eights to go. I think it's good. Yeah. I mean, I think the second takeaway I have is 30 years. <laughs> How many people start working on something, whether it be a project, a craft, a new career, and they give up? I mean, even in the podcast world where we're having this show right now, the studies say that the average podcast stops after about 10 episodes. Yeah. And now you're talking about 30 years. So I think there's something to say for longevity and sticking with things and waiting and working towards the craft and honing it until you're at a point where you've hit that success. You just nailed it perfectly. And I think that there's a word that people don't find very glamorous, but is the key to everything, which is perseverance. Because if I had given up, I cannot tell you how many times in my life people have laughed, patted my head and said, that's such a sweet hobby. You write romance, you know, and how 
it just made me so angry and it burned me. And I I think it took me in a better direction because I was like, I'm going to show you. Sure. But it's very unglamorous behind the scenes. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not like we're like writing these books and eating bonbons. And I mean, it's just really hard. And especially with time, because when you're juggling like a full time job and a passion, or even like you said, like a podcast, you're not doing that full time, even like you're usually starting out part time until you can get yourself to a point where you can go full time. Right. Which I think is the last point that I kind of took away from your story, which is you had a side hustle before even a side hustle was a side hustle, really. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I learned early, put your eggs in many baskets because then there's no money to buy the eggs. It's just kind of like you got to just like, yeah, I mean, work is work. And I didn't have any problem, whatever I needed to do to pay the bills. But then my time, instead of binging on Netflix or doing this, I think a lot of people say, oh, I don't have the time. But we have the time to do anything. I know that. It's a matter of do you want it bad enough to sacrifice and work towards that? Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's a priority or not. Yeah. Your career, contemporary romance is your niche. Yeah. You know, why do you feel that that's been your area of focus? What's drawn you to that specific niche? Over the years, I've had so many people um, that would be like, okay, you know, you wrote romance. Now, when are you going to write a real book? And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> And it always goes back to the main thing is that in my life, I've believed that love drives everything. It's not money. It's not greed. It's not ambition. It's not even power. It really is love. Now, unfortunately, I think that could be love of power or love of something. But if you think about your entire life and all the relationships that you have in your life that really drive you, it's not just romantic love for me. And my books show that. Yes, there's always a romantic character because, I mean, who doesn't think about the first kiss or the butterflies or the pain of that first breakup and all of those passionate intensities that you had when you were young and how maybe it changed over time and how relationships changed over time. But I go deeper because there's love of kids. There's love of your best friends that are like sisters or brothers to you. Mm -hmm. They're siblings. And for me also, I'm a passionate advocate of rescue dogs. My dogs I'm very passionate about and I put a lot of stories with rescue dogs in there and how they change the people that sometimes that they meet. I love writing a story about a crusty guy who hates dogs and is suddenly carrying a little chihuahua with a pink bling collar into the cop station. (laughs) And I've written that story because that's the kind of stuff that drives me. So I think that people need to look beyond, oh, contemporary romance and think that everything in their life is driven by relationships. Now, isn't that endlessly fascinating? I could write about that forever. Right. Well, hence why you're writing about contemporary romance, because it's something that definitely strikes a chord with you and something that you feel passionate about and something that you feel like you can consistently write and stay fresh and really never run out of stories, you know, an endless supply, more or less. Yes. So true. You talk about on your website and in social media that writing, you talk about how it's let you experience so many other potential careers and see them from the outside in. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Because I find it very interesting. Yeah. When I was a young reader, I was fascinated with characters who had interesting careers. I went through stages where I was like, oh, I'm going to be this hotel, you know, tycoon and I'm going to do this. Or I was going to own a horse rescue farm. I was going, there was endless, I was going to be a yoga teacher. And to me, 
diving deep into these characters and their experiences with career, I get to do it myself. I get to talk to the people who are in that field. That's how I do my research. Because in the books, you have to know even... I'll give you an example. There was one character who was an aerospace engineer. I hate science. I hate physics. That's why I write. Okay. I was so aggravated because this character basically came to me and he was like, you know, kind of like a geeky nerd. And and he had these, you know, he talked in like formulas and stuff. In order to write him, I had to dive very deep into that world. And so I started studying like physics and engineer and I would call him like a space engineer and he would get really mad at me, you know, like and, and be like, no, that's not the proper terminology. So when I came out, you may not get a lot from that book about theory and physics and stuff, but he was very real and people would email me from that career and say, how did you write this? You nailed it, like the way they speak, the way they see things. So diving into a career allows me in a way to have that career for a little while, to try it on for size. And throughout my life, anything that I've been fascinated about, I would say, oh, great, I'm going to write a book about this. And then, you know, I remember going to um, a winery and having an interview with the owner there. And he would take us through the vineyard and he gave us a tour and we tasted wine and he talked about his passion. He talked about the grapes. And I remember being absolutely just in love with this whole idea of owning a vineyard. So (laughs) then I wrote a book about it and I was able to use those experiences. So how cool is that to be able to delve into another person's ideals and life and bring it to the page? Yeah, I think a lot of people overlook the fact that it's not like these books and these stories just come to you and you throw it on a piece of paper or type it out however you handle the creative process. It's a very in-depth process that you have to actually expand the character, know what they're going to say or do at different places along the line in the story, which takes research and time. And I think that gets overlooked a lot of times. I think you're right. And boy, I wish that I could just like throw something on the page and do it. But then it wouldn't be great because when the type of quality of books that I want to put out, I need that reader to go on a journey and they need to, I think the most important is the character and how they identify and that we're not perfect and we screw up. And I put a lot of really deep issues in my work that I've also studied. I mean, eating disorders and emotional abuse and just bullying in school and because that's what we go through. We all have our own experiences. And so bringing that in and knowing how somebody would react and transform like their past and how they grow, it is endlessly fascinating. And it's real. And no, you just can't throw that on the page. You really (laughs) can't. But that's what makes it so rewarding, too. Have you ever researched a uh, potential career for a book for a character? And you said, man, if I wasn't writing, this is what I would want to be doing or this is what I should be doing? Yeah, I've always been one of those like fascinated with so many things. I love things to do with like the creative art. So it's very funny. I can't even draw a stick figure, but you'll see that I draw a lot of artists because I admire the idea of having that vision and being able to put it like on a canvas. I've done yoga teachers. I ended up taking yoga teacher training and logging in 80 hours and then realizing you have need a hundred to like be certified. I logged in 80 hours and then quit and said, now nah, I just want to write books. <laughs> So, yeah, listen, that's just as valuable as becoming a yoga teacher, because listen, sometimes it's not as important to know what you want to do, but know what you really love to do and stick with it. So, I mean, I think that's just as important and valuable. Yeah. 
and exploring, not be afraid to explore, not be afraid to take a leap. I have done so many dead ends in my life. I don't call them dead ends. I call them all research and it all goes into who you are. <laughs> well, I was going to say, great thing for you is even though you didn't become a yoga instructor, you got probably a great book out of it somewhere along the line. So it was not wasted time, right? That's right. <laughs> so listen, we've seen a lot of changes in writing and being an author, some due to business, some due to extraneous circumstances. Yeah. You know, how has writing and being an author changed for you over the last 10 years? Oh, it has changed so much. This business has. I mean, I can date myself to the old days because I'm one of these old time writers that you would say like, oh, I remember when you just wrote the books, you know, like, <laughs> and there were gatekeepers and you didn't email an editor and readers never knew who you were like on camera. And then self-publishing became huge and blew the gatekeepers open. And then the big six became the big five and now going to the big four for publishers. And, you know, as anything changes, I think there's good and bad. There's no such thing as all good or all bad. It's just right. how you look at it and adjust. But you have to be a business person now. You can't just write the books. You need to garner a very solid presence, if not in social media, with your brand. Because if you think that there's a billion books or like multi-millions, like every Tuesday is release day, right? right? And every Tuesday, they're pumping out hundreds and hundreds of new books. And then you've got all of the authors. Now, right away, today, I can have my son say, I think I'm going to write this book and then self-publish it on Amazon and say, hey, I wrote this book. I'm a writer. And it doesn't go that way. Yes, you wrote that book, but writers cultivate an audience. They brand, they write a multiple books and create like this whole world. It's not about just one book. And so you need to run your own business. I am a CEO of my own company. I have employees under me. I have an accountant. I was like, wow, I'm real. Uh, now I'm real. Now <laughs> I almost have a lawyer and an accountant. I was like, that's pretty like high, big for me. You have to manage so much, not just social media. My day consists of you've always got to get new words on the page for the new book. Then you're usually editing another project and you're promoting another one. I just sent in a, a final proposal to my editor on a book I worked about five and a half months on. I had a new release two weeks ago where I'm talking like about a month is just hardcore promo and right. I'm ready for edits for another book. So you're not just going into this other world and you get to write. That's the biggest takeaway, I would say, is that writers in this world that want a career, you need to know business. You need to think long term. You need to think of it as a career and not a hobby. And it's got to be even beyond the writing. So that's good and bad, I say. You know? Sure. Sure. And do you handle all that yourself currently? Or do you have a team of people that help you out in all those different areas at this point? I'm lucky when I first started out and the book went viral, I didn't even have an agent. I was like, what is this? And so I had to scramble from day one. And I came from a time where I had 20 extra bucks and I was excited. And I said, should I do this ad? Should I do this one? And now it's the same, but different. It doesn't matter if you're first starting out that you kind of say, okay, I'm going to budget this for marketing. I'm going to put this back into the business. And now I'm very lucky. It goes back into my business. I have an assistant. She's part-time, but she's actually more half-time. I'm going to say she's half-time. I have a publicist that works for me that I pay on a monthly basis. And I sometimes I feel like my head is just above water and I have these two people working for me. So right. it's just a matter of where you are and how you reinvest in your career. And I think people do doing the things and freeing me up to do more writing gives me a better opportunity. 
Yeah, I think that I agree with you. I think that that's been a change that we've seen. And like you said, it's not a bad thing for somebody who wants to be a writer and have it as a hobby. They just have to understand that it is a hobby then. And it's just going to be kind of, I'm going to write a book, put it out there and we'll see what happens. But if you want to make a career out of this and you want to make a living out of it, you have to really be good at and at least knowledgeable enough about all these areas of the business and think of it as a business, even if you haven't written your book yet. The first one, if your intentions are to make a career of this, you have to think about it as a business and map out what those roles that you're going to need in order to be successful. Now, like when you started, you might be doing all those roles to begin with. And then over time, you figure out which roles would be better suited and taken on by other people and where you can then start filling the gaps with an assistant or a publicist or a social media expert and things like that. But yeah, you have to start mapping that out from the start. If you don't have that plan, going back to what you talked about earlier, writing it down. If you don't write it down, it's going to be very difficult to execute that. Yeah. So well said. And I think a big thing also is don't compare yourself. If you're just starting out and you see this, you know, oh, she's got an assistant and this and that. People don't realize you have to start somewhere. You usually don't explode out of the gate. I mean, it's lovely when it happens, but it's more on the rare side. You just have to kind of take it where you are. And like you said, map your goals from there. Yeah, I remember when I started in the business, somebody said, you have to create an org chart, not for what you look like today, but what you're going to look like in the future. Now, when you look at the org chart today, it's going to say Larry Sprung everywhere, but (laughs) hopefully, eventually, at some point, it's not going to. (laughs) I love that. uh, That is so good. Yeah. It's important to do that. Yeah. You talked about a lot of aspects of the business, and there's a lot of juggling going on between these areas. How do you handle that? Do you map out a day? Do you have a typical day where you know that you're doing these three or four things every day and you're allotting time to it? Or does it depend upon when you have a book coming out? How do you handle that juggle? Yeah, that's such a great question because I'm also a mom of two teenage boys. I've got two rescue dogs, and yeah, I even have a husband in there. (laughs) So I use a planner. I always know the days will be different. Like right now, I've got a book due on April 15th. And it's really good that you were not in my house, Larry, because I was whining a lot over the weekend. Mom hasn't written any words yet. And the time is ticking. And now I only have two and a half months. So after this podcast, I'm going to be getting ready. (laughs) But I go with a planner. And if there needs to be new words on a deadline, that is usually my priority. I try to keep it my priority. If I've got a book coming out, I will try to clear two weeks so I can just get promo. But you know, it's also a family thing. I'm bringing my sons back and forth. One's in track, one's in here. It's just, you know, I got a doctor appointment, the orthodontist is like every other day. So I try to keep it tight on the planner so I know when I can write, when I can promo. A big thing for me, which I found, and I've always said this to writers, is see where a lot of the time is seeping out of. Social media is a big one because we're very isolated. I mean, we don't talk to anybody but the dog. It's very sad. So like social media is like our friends out there. But when I started seeing that I was wasting a lot of time, I took like Sundays and I will take two hours and do admin, which means I'll do some social media posts or this, what my assistant asked for. And then that frees me up from like half an hour here, 15 minutes here during the week. And it keeps my focus tight. So it's about looking at your schedule and kind of juggling from there. But yes, writing it down and having a planner, I think, is like key. Right. Yeah, it's a lot, especially when you start factoring in the personal side of things. It can get really jam-packed. Yeah. 
when you start piling that onto the business aspect of things, it's really crowded, yeah. especially with two teenagers. I, I can uh, I can empathize there as we Thank have you. two teenagers also. So we're in the same we're, we're in the in same it. spot. We're in it. Yeah. <laughs> Giving back to the profession seems like something that's really important to you. Yeah. Can you tell the listeners how have you given back to the author community and what are the key takeaways for others in your industry? From that, I love this question because I am so passionate about my writing career, about everything to do with it. And maybe it's because I started so young and I was in a bubble. Before internet, there was just no such thing as meeting writers or going online and seeing how things were done. I just worked in this tunnel for many years. So for me, giving back is literally one of the most important things in my job, especially being at this point in my career. I wrote two nonfiction books. One is right naked, one is right true. It is a very honest, they're not craft books, they're not boring, do this, and then you'll you know get a million followers on Twitter. It is a very raw look from when I was young, working in this profession, the good and the bad and the ugly. I go through a lot of mistakes I've made. I'm not afraid to share it because if I can share all of my mistakes, it means a lot to me for somebody to email me. And believe me, the emails that I get on these books make me so happy that I put myself out there because it was really a revealing. I was like, oh, people are going to find out now. I am really not fabulous at all. (laughs) Oh, boy. But when I get these emails and they say, if you could feel this way and you are this star, which I'm not, it's just what people think you are, you know, now I'm not afraid anymore or I don't feel so alone anymore. That fuels me. That fuels me. So I also do a lot of teaching. I've ramped up my workshop, my keynotes. I love talking about what it is to be a career author. I love talking about burnout. I think we're very unkind to ourselves nowadays. And if we're not pumping out books every two months, we feel like failures. And I like to address that. When people email me and they're first-time writers, and I'll email them back. It's just Mm -hmm. me. I don't have my assistant reading my email, or I can't tell you how many emails I get. I know this is not Jen, but if it was, if you could (laughs) forward it, I'm like, hey, it's Jen, you know? (laughs) Because I'm just a person. I went through everything that everybody else is going through, and I just find it so important. If you love a career, an occupation, you need to give back into your industry. I just think because you get so much back by giving. Right. And what do you think? I mean, these people that email you and read, they understand that this is like right naked was really intended for the author community. They understand that when they see that. Yes. And what I love about it is any writer can get anything out of it. But it is specifically because I'm mostly a romance writer, a women's fiction writer. There's a lot that goes into that genre. And being a romance writer, I love learning from somebody in that genre. I read voraciously every single craft book imaginable over any genre. But to have something more in that specific niche is a little bit on the rare side. So it was nice to be able to offer it to them. And it was just really a glimpse. I wanted to write something like Stephen King did on writing, which is, I think, one of the greatest craft books of all time, which is basically a little bit of everything. I'm funny. I talk about my real life. I talk about the mistakes I made. I talk a little bit about craft. I keep it moving. I don't want you to fall asleep during the book. And it's so me. You either like me or not. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, and and you're giving these people who are writers, you're giving them the information in a format that they're used to, right? Yeah, they're used to seeing and reading. Yeah. so it's not like you're trying to go out and 
do videos and tell them what to do or yeah. how you did it. You're giving it in a format that they can affiliate with, yeah. that they're used to, which is great. And I think if all of us took a little bit of time just to give back to our own industries, it would strengthen all the industries that we're in and all the listeners that we have out there. If they were to invest some time into the industries they were in, it would just strengthen them immensely, I think. Yeah, totally so. agree, Larry. Really, I do. So what has being an author given to you that you never expected to receive when you started writing? Just a freedom to really share my view of the world. It's an amazing gift to be able to wake up every day, you know, even with all the whining that my kids had to deal with this weekend. <laughs> the idea that every time I start something new, this blank slate is there. And I've changed over the years, like everybody does. So the work that I did in my 20s was more passionate about finding myself and new romance. And then, you know, as a mom, and I've been married to my husband for 15 years, and being around my mom, who is aging, I've dug deeper into layers of relationships with women, mothers and daughters and siblings. And it is this, I just get to dive deep into the world in so many creative ways that a lot of people don't get. That always humbles me. And I get to see, in a way, it's a little piece of immortality for me. I get to say, mm -hmm. and this is what writers and creative artists or anything, podcasts, you could be filing all day and still be a creative person. And whatever that seed of creativity, that is your gift to the world. I think that's how you uniquely see it. And for me to be able to get out there and put my stamp and say, hey, this is how I view the world. This is me. I think that's just really super cool. And was that not expected when you started down this path? You didn't think it was going to be as beneficial or as enlightening as it has been? No, I didn't. Wow. I had a drive to do it, to tell stories. And I didn't know why I had this drive. I knew that I was satisfied when people read. And I thought it was a drive to give people this escape because the world is hard and enjoyment. But then as I grew older and I go deeper into this creative and going and writing more, I realized this is whole other level for me, that this is really like this other layer to explore. So, yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's almost like a reciprocal relationship, although it's a business for you and you're providing entertainment and joy for the reader. At the same time, you're getting a lot of that back just through the writing, which is, I guess, you know, I'll speak for you, it yeah. really makes it a rewarding career and, yeah. and occupation because it is so mutually uh, beneficial on both sides. Yeah. See, you said it better. I sometimes it because <laughs> it, it's like you feel these things and then you find out. And I bet in a decade, the answer may change again. And that's really sure. cool. Yeah. Well, that just means your career's evolving and yeah. what your writing's evolving, yeah. I, I would imagine, right? Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. <laughs> well, listen, Jen, it's been a pleasure having you. And we end every show with asking each guest the same question. Okay. So I'm going to do the same for you. Great. And that is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? One of my favorite things to do is practice gratitude. So I got up and I had my coffee, which is this lovely, quiet time for me with the dogs. And I go over briefly what I'm grateful for. It could be that great cup of coffee. It could be I get to start a new book. It could be I love my dogs today. My boys are happy today. My son got an A on his test, whatever it is. But I think that when you start practicing what you have rather than what you not have, that gives you a reset for your whole day. And you know, some days are better than others. But sure. today I got there. <laughs> That's awesome. I was shocked. I thought you might say it was yoga. <laughs> but 
That's okay. I get Yoke it. Yoke is all good. <laughs> <laughs> the gratitude is excellent, yeah. Jen. And yet, Jen, if people want to find you and learn more about you, and we'll have this information in the show notes, where is the best place for them to find you and find that information? Well, I always comically say that I embrace stalkers in a good way. <laughs> I'm pretty much everywhere. You definitely want to go to my website. There's a lot of fun stuff there. And if you sign up for the newsletter, you get a free book. It's uh, jenniferpropes.com. And you'll find me on Instagram, author Jennifer Probst. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm pretty much everywhere. <laughs> okay, and they'll find yeah, you in the you social go find sphere. Me. <laughs> All right, Jen. Well, listen, it's a pleasure. Thank you for your time. And thank you for being a guest. And remember, make it a great day. Love it. Thank you. I want to thank Jennifer Probst for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset Show. Jennifer is a true inspiration to authors everywhere. Her persistence and eventual success shows how hard work and dedication to your craft can pay off. Jennifer is recognized as a leader in her industry and willing to share with those that are interested and willing to learn. She clearly enjoys what she does as well as meeting those that enjoy her work too. So keep an eye out for her next release and be sure to take a read. Jennifer can be found across all social media platforms and all the contact information needed to find her can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandfinancial.com and be sure to smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content. And listen, please, don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. Be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about the mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.